Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey folks, Dirk Bentley here. If you've seen one of my concerts, you know I'm all about energy. Performing, recording, traveling, being a husband and a father, it's a busy life. And I need to be 100% every day. So when my battery starts running low, I grab a sugar-free, vitamin-packed, five-hour energy shot. It tastes great, and it gets me back to 100% fast. Try it. It could work for your busy life, too. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. All right, go ahead. Are you ordering a pizza? No, we're not ordering a pizza. Oh, man. Bummer. There's bagels, there's rice cakes, there's peanut butter. Oh, rice cakes, yes. Bacon. Bacon. There's cereal. I've been doing it all week. There's salad. I did eat three chicken breasts. Wow. And they were not full chicken breasts. Three chicken breasts, huh? They were, I mean, they were, they weren't anything to brag about, you know? It was probably like six chicken strips if you were to combine them. Oh. That's nothing. What's better than this? Guys, it's me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs of NDT Scouting and the FRS Network. And we are your hosts here on this edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's hump day. It's Wednesday. And Kyle and I are going to talk about the NFL head coaches. We're going to stack them up. And we've got a fun show prepared. Kyle, what's going on, dude? Can we raise our glasses and pour one out for Mr. Christian Hackenberg? Uh, the dude was just cut several weeks into non-padded practices and OTAs. Uh, I guess John Gruden actually had the chance uh, to look at this player and just realize this man was too far gone. Um, so pouring one out for second-round pick Christian Hackenberg – and, Joe, this time next week, will we be pouring one out for one PFF Mike? You know, that was, some, that was some crap last night that you have an episode of The Bachelorette with no ring ceremony. That's got to be the staple, right? Like, I didn't even know it was possible to not have the ceremony. So to leave me hanging, to have me commit to yet another episode of the show uh, right now is, is rubbing me the wrong way. But uh, I'll be back in. Look, Mike didn't make any splash necessarily with Becca. 
Got to love the, the performance on the football field. He did miss that one tackle, right? He got the touchdown pass early. He ran over Lincoln. I loved that. But uh, when he when he missed the tackle on that Chris John touchdown, thought that was uh, was was a low point for him. But you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if this guy's uh, you know, he's not really going after her. So I don't know if he's going to be able to stick around anymore. Oh. He may be going after. We may just not be seeing the fruits of those labor thanks to uh, those bastards over at ABC, right? You know, they, they've given the guy no face time despite the fact that you know, he, he had a spectacular catch in the back of the end zone. Twinkle Toes Mike getting both feet down, it looked like, uh, upon further review. And uh, no matter what happens, which my estimation, Joe, is we will see Mike go home at the beginning of next week's episode with the Rose Ceremony. Uh, But him going on the show is instantaneously worth it to see him run over that big, softy Lincoln. Now, Mike, I don't know if you saw this, Joe, put out a tweet directed Mm -hmm. to Lincoln saying that he had a new picture for Lincoln to frame since he lost the last one of him that was framed on the show. And it was a picture of Mike promptly running over his own teammate and putting Lincoln on his ass. Bless you, Mike, because that's the best tweet I have seen all summer long. Yeah, right up there with the Wendy's tweet about how they're not nervous about the the IHOP (laughs) not being able to handle pancakes. The the pancakes were too hard, so they're not worried about their burgers. I mean – we had a couple of good tweets here in back-to-back days from, uh, you know, Wendy's and PFF, Mike. Yeah, this is uh, this this has been a good stretch on social media, and, and Joe, we are going to continue that with our coverage of the 32 NFL head coaches and our first dru- dudes draft anything of the summer. This was a concept that you had suggested not too long ago for the NDT Scouting Conference in which you and I got together, and you thought this would be a cool idea. You know, we've done it with holidays and uh, foods and and sodas, but now we get a chance. We are going to draft the 32 head coaches in the NFL with the concept that we are drafting for the future of our franchise. I do think that is something important for us to distinguish, Joe. Yeah, of course. So we are considering age and other factors with our choices here. And before we get any further, I want to give a shout out to Quentin Lash, who uh, DM'd me this past week and said he'd like to kind of hear us talk about the coaching talent in the league and, you know, which ones we value the most and where guys like Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan fit into that conversation. So uh, Kyle took that idea and turned it, turned it into this opportunity for us to draft all 32 of the NFL head coaches as if we were starting an expansion team. Uh, one other thing is, is scheme is not necessarily something we're considering at all. Uh, and this is with a, with a non-existent group of players, the guy that we would pick to hitch our wagons to one by one here. We're going to work through all 32. Yes. Joe, one thing we have not distinguished. Who's who, going first? Who has the first pick? Uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting. Okay, I'll tell you what. I don't think we're going to pick the same guy, and I feel confident about that. So I I'm probably give, agree with you. Okay, so I'll give you the first pick, and I don't think – and, again, I don't think it has any implication. I think we're going to pick somebody different. Okay. Well, you know, so I, I think, to, to be fair, two weeks ago we did have a bet if Mike was going to get a rose, and okay. I won that bet. So I'm going to cash in that All bet right. now and say I have in the first overall pick of this dude's draft head coaches 
mock. I'm going to take Sean Payton, head coach, New Orleans Saints. The man is only 54 years old, Joe. I don't know if you knew this about Sean Payton. But in the, the lexicon of head coaches in the NFL, uh, Sean Payton is not especially uh, an elder statesman. He's had a great deal of success. He's an offensive genius and guru as far as his playbook and love the way that his teams play the game offensively. Defensively, I'm going to have to hire a good off- or defensive coordinator. But Sean Payton has had a lot of established success. He's one of the best play callers in football. Go ahead and give me Sean Payton with the first pick, 54 years old. It's a good pick, Kyle, but Sean Payton was number four on my board. So I'm feeling good about not having the number one overall pick because I've got my top three options, including number one option, Doug Peterson from the Philadelphia Eagles. That team this year, man, that was the easiest team that I didn't have necessarily a rooting interest about to get behind. And I think it's because the style of play, the aggressiveness, how he catered everything to work for his personnel. And I know he had some great assistant coaches and a lot of those are elsewhere now, but you know, he's the brainchild behind this. He's the head guy. He's the CEO of that team. And uh, just love the way that that team responded to everything that, you know, Carson Wentz goes down, Nick Foles steps in, win the Super Bowl. Give me that guy leading my franchise. If I'm picking any one of them. Yeah, Joe, that was my number two coach. So I can't hate on that selection at all. And I feel like this is a great time to remind the listeners, particularly those who are fans of football up in the northeast quadrant of the country, who are probably having a conniption fit right now, (laughs) that we are picking based on the future of a franchise, right? So with that in mind, Sean Payton, 54, Doug Peterson is 50 years old. Uh, We're going with some youth as compared to some of the elder statesmen who uh, have a little bit more of a questionable shelf life and not wanting to have a coaching search in the next couple of years. And for that reason, I'm actually going to go with Mike Zimmer as my second head coach selection. Uh, Zimmer, conversely, is the uh, defensive mastermind of this Minnesota defense, which is one of the meanest in football. They have great personnel, uh, but they are following the Zimmer blueprint. Uh, I love the the edge in which that team plays as far as they like to play physical and dictate to you. So Zimmer is 62 years old, so he is one of the older head coaches in the NFL, but he's not 66, 67, as you see with some of uh, the higher end uh, of age as it relates to head coaches. So I'm betting I can get eight to ten years out of Mike Zimmer, uh, who is uh, a good character too. You you listen to some of his press conferences. He he brings a lot of character to press conferences and uh, kind of that grumpy old man style. But uh, I'm okay with it because he gets a lot of results out of his teams. Yeah, I love that pick, Kyle. He was my number three coach on the board. Uh, Sean McVay, my number two pick here. And my number two overall play, uh, coach is, is Sean McVay. Uh, just the job he did with the Rams. I know that they're super talented now, but, you know, he, he really turned that thing around. Just such an innovative guy. Got the most out of golf. Got the most out of Gurley. And uh, got the most out of Robert Woods. You know, Robert Woods hadn't had a season like that ever in Buffalo. And he, he was just a joy to watch last year. And I love that he was able to, uh, to get Wade Phillips as his defensive coordinator. I think that says – so much about Sean McVay and the type of talent he can attract 
uh, for other coaches wanting to work with him and that he just let him do his thing on, on defense. And then Sean McVay, I mean, he's just so dialed in on that offense. He literally sits on the bench during the defensive series, and it's just like friggin' Albert Einstein there figuring out what to do and how to attack the opposing team. Uh, got a chance to see see some of his, uh, his work and some of the behind-the-scenes videos and stuff that we see uh, from the Rams and NFL uh, films. And I just think he's, he's a – the type of leader that somebody wants to follow. And I think that uh, people are really going to buy into what he does because it works and he's going to have such a long, long career. He's so young. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, the Rams really just hit a home run when they hired him. And he's my guy number two here. Okay. So now I'm in a bit of a bind here. Uh, McVay was my eighth rated coach. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's no slight to Sean McVay. I just, I had a group of six head coaches that I thought were, cream of the crop guys in the NFL. And I listed that first tier of six guys in my order of preference. So I have two names on here uh, that I was not expecting to see with my fourth pick, uh, Peyton, Zimmer, Shanahan being the first three selections that I have made. And uh, it's... uh, I'm going to have to side with age before beauty here. So, Joe, you went with... Youth, and I agree with you that youth still this early on in the selections is the right call, but you picked the wrong youthful head coach. Kyle Shanahan is my pick. Uh, Did I just spoil that? I spoiled that, didn't I? Yeah. I think uh, Kyle Shanahan, what he did with Matt Ryan, um, his track record, with that turnaround, leaving Atlanta, helping contribute to that team going to the Super Bowl, and then what San Francisco was able to do once they had Jimmy Garoppolo there. All I need to do is pair Shanahan with a competent quarterback, and I feel really confident that my offense is going to get a lot of really good production. Uh, San Francisco 49ers fans should be very, very excited about the future because Shanahan, who is only 38 years old, is another youthful guy who has a team trending in the right direction. Good pick there, Kyle. And, And I think this is going to be the part where, I'm going to start shifting towards some of the uh, more proven head coaches and a guy that I just have so much respect for that uh, is, is right there. Number five overall for me, that's Ron Rivera of the Carolina Panthers. I think that quietly, I mean, not quietly, really, he's a two time NFL head coach of the year. You know, this is guys had a stellar career and he's only 56, I believe. And so I think he's got a lot of life left in him, but it's, it's just how respected he is by everybody. I live in the Charlotte community. So I, I see the, you know, the, just how regarded he is. Just people really respect him. The players respect him. And uh, I love the coaching tree that he's developed. You know, he, he's, he's not just a guy that develops football players, but coaches. And you've seen that with Sean McDermott. You've seen that with Steve Wilkes. Uh, you've seen, I mean, other guys that, ha- that have worked under him have taken other jobs. Not necessarily did it work out, Rob Chizinski. But uh, he's a guy that's just really respected, and, and people really believe in, in him. And, and I think that's something you see by the amount of coaches he's produced. Sure, certainly think I probably forgot a few there. But um, I think that when you talk about Rivera, it's, it's just going to be that consummate professional. I respect him a ton. And, uh, you know, he's my guy here with my – I think this is my third or fourth pick. That was your third pick. So that's the my sixth overall pick. coach to go. Uh, Ron was my ninth. So, Joe, you've picked eight and nine off of my personal board, uh, and I have to go with the hood. Bill Belichick, five Super Bowl rings, he's 66. Okay, give me five years, Bill. Give me five good years, we'll win two Super Bowls. I'll trust you to continue (laughs) this lineage 
of you know consistently bringing up coordinators. That's one thing you mentioned with Ron Rivera. Uh, Belichick's coaches don't often find a lot of success when they leave and go elsewhere, but he has an impressive laundry list of names that have been given the opportunity. So uh, if Bill, Bill Belichick uh, wouldn't mind bringing in a new offensive coordinator, if he's going to come coach my team, I, I wouldn't want Josh McDaniels. Uh, to to be the heir apparent there, but uh, give Bill Belichick five years. Uh, he's 66 years old, and uh, let's let's go ahead and win a couple Super Bowls, and then you can retire. So Bill Bill Belichick is my fourth coach selected. Uh, my current listing of my selections was Sean Payton, Mike Zimmer, Kyle Shanahan, and now Bill Belichick. Strong choice, Kyle. I, I, I would uh, would love to sit down in those meetings with you and uh, Coach Belichick talking about roster construction. Uh, let's move on here. I've got the next pick here. I'm going with Mike Tomlin, head coach Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, he's <laughs> he's had a great run with, with the Steelers. I mean, winning 66% of his games. I mean, how many AFC North championships? I mean, the one, two, three four, five, six AFC North championships. I mean, he, he has really continued the legacy in Pittsburgh where it's he's only the third coach in their history. And, you know, there's big shoes to fill. There's expectations of that being a, a, a steady hand in terms of leading that football operation. He's done that very well, filling in for Bill Cowher, got a Super Bowl to his name. And, uh, you know, that's a team that's always competitive. And, and I think a lot of that is because of the leadership of Tomlin. And I think, you know, kind of kind of me gearing towards some of the guys that I respect as experienced coaches at this point, I, I like the opportunity to pull the trigger on Tomlin here. Yeah, it's a good pick. So, uh, Joe, combined, we've made eight picks. None of those have gone outside of my personal top ten list. So we're of like minds as far as the names we're picking. Uh, my fifth head coach that I would select is Atlanta Falcons head coach Dan Quinn. Mm. Dan Quinn has had a good amount of success since being hired in 2015. He has over a 60% career winning percentage, 29 and 19, in a division in the NFC South that consistently has strong performers across the board. That was a divider for me and, say, like Mike Tomlin, where Tomlin and the, the Steelers, they have to compete with the Baltimore Ravens, but Baltimore with Joe Flacco at the helm over the course of the past couple of years has not been especially good. Well, since Dan Quinn came in in 2015, you know, there's years where the Saints are good. There's years where the Panthers are good. Uh, the Buccaneers, maybe not quite so much with their current head coach, who's not going to hear his name called for a really long time. That's my bold prediction of the night. But Dan Quinn consistently getting really good performances from his football teams, and that's why he would be my fifth choice the way this board is dropped. Kyle, are you ready for me to pick a player, that's, uh, pick a coach that's very out of sequence? Uh, yeah, you're going to go ahead, Sean McDermott, aren't you? I'm going Sean McDermott. Homer. I sure am. You homer. Abs- no, you know, look, take, 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 a, take a deep breath here, Kyle. Sean McDermott's the pick here. This is a coach that got Buffalo – to end its 17-year playoff drought in year one. Not necessarily because it was a super talented roster, a, te- a roster that people thought was intentionally tanking to get a high draft pick so they can get a quarterback. Uh, McDermott rallied the, the troops here, put together a playoff season. Yeah, did they backdoor in a little bit? But a 9-7 and record is as good as Buffalo has seen over the last 20 years. And uh, he's, he's really restored – uh, the respectability of the character of that football team after the circus that was Rex Ryan. And uh, 
you know, look, people are respecting the process there in Buffalo. And a lot of that is because of Sean McDermott and how he's really changed the culture immediately in Buffalo. And so, uh, look, homer pick, whatever you want to call it, I got a lot of respect for Mr. McDermott. Very happy to pull the trigger right here. I have four words for you, my friend. Regression to the mean. Every every single statistical category pointed to Buffalo not winning nine games and not being a playoff team. I've seen this happen. This happened with the Miami Dolphins in 2016. But you don't see me take Adam Gase and, and the top ten coaches to go off the board in the entire NFL. There's some yeah. great talented coaches still left, and you're betting on the upside based on year one, which I personally just don't agree with. I've done that the whole draft. My first two picks were Doug Peterson and Sean McVay, guys that have collectively, what, three years of coaching experience combined. I mean, that's that's not anything that's been uncharacteristic of the picks that I've made here, and I, I expect the Bills to be bad this year. I think the Bills realistically are two to a six-win football team this year based on talent. And does that mean I don't trust John McDermott? No, I mean, this is a big rebuild that Buffalo is doing to get out of this circus that Rex Ryan created and a lot of very underwhelming uh, personnel moves by Doug Whaley. So uh, I I expect regression, but I just believe in Sean McDermott as a leader, and uh, I don't think he's going to get outworked. So uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. I'm glad you said that because that's a perfect way for me to justify my next pick at number six coach on my list. When I take Adam, I'm kidding. No, I'm taking John Harbaugh, head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Harbaugh, six playoff berths, uh, 59% career winning percentage, 94 and 66. He's won a Super Bowl, uh, has had tough competition there with Pittsburgh, who has been good forever. Uh, I think Harbaugh kind of gets a bum rap here because it's it's been a bit stale here with, with Joe Flacco, and I'm really excited to see what he's able to do with his coaching staff with an exciting young talent like Lamar Jackson whenever they decide to hand the reins over to him. Uh, Harbaugh, I think his teams just play a really hard-nosed brand of football, uh, which I absolutely love. They will kick your teeth in, and uh, they, they might not be the most exciting offense to watch right now, but I think some of that's just personnel handcuffing. So that's why I'm going to go with John Harbaugh as my sixth head coach uh, right behind Dan Quinn, who was my fifth selection. All right. I'll get back on the rails here. Andy Reid, Kyle. Uh, good football coach, man. Look at this dude's resume. I mean, he, he wins. He wins every single year. He's they, I mean, you show up with Andy Reid as your head coach, and you've got a good chance to, to win 10 games. He's done it with several different quarterbacks, a, a host of different defensive coordinators, and his teams are respectable year in, year out. I think he's pushed – like 20 NFL seasons, he's had a losing record three times. But, uh, I mean, the resume speaks for himself. The coaching tree's there, and uh, he just gets it done. And, look, I think that it's disappointing that he hasn't won a Super Bowl with all the success during the regular season. But uh, I think he's right up there in terms of X's and O's and, and getting the most out of his talent. And just you're, the, Andy Reid's teams are always respectable. You're never going to look stupid with him as your head coach. And uh, he still produced. So that's my pick here. Yeah, I was really torn on Andy. Andy was actually in the bottom half of my list. But if you were going to tell me Andy was going to coach a game in October, he'd probably be in the top 10. 
And if you were going to have a season run from September to the end of December, and that was it, Andy would probably be in the top half. But Andy has won one playoff game since 2008. Yeah, it's wild. It's crazy. It's one of the abnormal situations. And, you know, Joe, you mentioned he'd only had three losing seasons in his career. The first one was his first season with the Eagles. Then that team proceeded to turn around and win 11, 11, 12, 12, 13. Lost the Super Bowl. Won six games. Rebounded and won 10 the next year. His last year in Philly went 4 and 12. Immediately took over the Kansas City Chiefs, won 11 games. So I can't hate the pick because he gets results out of his team over the course of a 16-game season. But I was a little gun-shy on Andy because you know, the, the playoff success has just not been there. It's bizarre. It's like Marty Schottenheimer, right? Like, <laughs> right. Same kind of thing. Uh, so for my next one, I'm surprised he made it down this far. Uh, but I, he was the sixth coach that if I wasn't accounting for age, was a, a top-tier head coach, in my opinion, in the NFL. And that's Pete Carroll. Yep. Now, if we get into this middle tier here, where this is the 13th head coach to come off the board, look, I know Pete's going to be 67 in September. But Pete doesn't act like a 67-year-old dude, does he? Pete no, he is doesn't. a very high-energy coach. His teams love him. He consistently gets a lot of you know, positive interactions. He knows how to interact with the players on his football team. And uh, in eight years in Seattle, Pete has a 62% career winning percentage and a 64% career winning percentage in the playoffs. Pete has not lost. Pete has not gone winless in the playoffs since 1998. Now, granted, he took a decade off between the end of his stint with the Patriots in 99 and taking over the Seahawks. But Pete is kind of the polar opposite of Andy Reid. There's been some variance in, Andy, in Pete Carroll's career. Uh, pretty average seasons with the, the Jets in 1994 when he went 6-10. and 10. And then uh, 1999 and 1998, he was one game over 500 with the Patriots. His first two seasons in Seattle, he goes 7-9, and nine, and then the big takeoff, and then we've seen the little bit of a drop-off in 2017, which they missed the playoffs. But again, that roster has become really depleted by poor roster construction and uh, j- just an inability to get the offensive line right and protect a franchise quarterback. So uh, I'm going to go with Pete Carroll here just because it's a value pick this late in the draft order. I... Uh... This next pick of mine, Kyle, it kind of pains me, but uh, it's kind of undeniable that this dude's a good head football coach. I'm talking about Doug Marone. Yeah, it's a good pick. Um, <laughs> so this dude, look at this. His last two seasons as an NFL head coach, 2014 Buffalo Bills, 9-7, and seven, finished second in the AFC East with E.J. Manuel and Kyle Orton as his quarterbacks. His next season as a NFL head coach, 2017 Jacksonville Jaguars, 10-6, and six, goes to the AFC Championship game with Blake Bortles as his quarterback. I mean, to, to be able to win with those quarterbacks says a lot about him and his ability to get the most out of his talent. Now, I know Jacksonville is loaded with premier talent everywhere else on that roster, but still, it's a, it's a league that is predicated on winning because you have a quarterback. Doug Barone gets results. I, I think that I, he'll probably evolve into a bit more of an aggressive coach, but in terms of just – uh, having accountability from his players 
it's it's really remarkable. He got the most out of a lot of players that Buffalo let go. Like you think about guys like Marcel Darius and Sammy Watkins, those guys didn't have any hard time producing with with uh, with uh, Doug Barone. So I love his ability, especially in Jacksonville, which looks like that's going to be a team with a lot of personality. I think he's the right guy, and I think that he he knows how to hold those dudes accountable and get the most out of them. And as much as it pains me because he quit on the Bills, he's my pick here. Yeah, so here comes my homer pick, Joe. No. The, the 15th head coach to come off, I'm going to go with Adam Gase. And the reason why is if you think back to the head coaching search before the 2016 season, Adam Gase was the coveted coach. He's had success everywhere he went. He drew the best out of Jay Cutler in 2015. He had two great years with Peyton Manning, and Peyton Manning just oozed praise for Adam Gase throughout the course of their time together. And uh, Adam Gase comes into the Miami Dolphins, and that team grossly overachieves and wins 10 games and doesn't back their way into the playoffs and does so without their starting quarterback and Ryan Tannehill over the course of the last three games. And then the rails came off in 2017. It was a defense that overachieved, and you know Adam Gase has, has a little bit of the Chip Kelly syndrome going on where he wants his guys there and – Guys like Jay Ajayi and, and Jarvis Landry and Dominic Sue, if you're not going to buy in, then get out. Will it work? I don't know. But I do like some of the moves Miami has made, and I think you will see a rebound from Gase's Dolphins in 2018. I don't think this is a six-win football team like it was last year, and that there was some addition by subtraction there. Uh, really creative play caller, really knows how to scheme his key players open in key situations. Uh, for those reasons, his ability to get the best out of some of his most important guys is why I'm going to go with Adam Gase here with my eighth head coach. I uh, I really respect the work he did with Tannehill. Yeah. And I think it was a real shame not getting to see him, them together in year two with the ACL injury. And hopefully, I mean, hopefully for them, not necessarily for my personal preferences, that uh, – they kind of get things picked back up because I think there's a lot of potential there, and I really believe in Gase's ability to get a lot out of Tannehill. Last year was a nightmare, man. It was the scheduling crap at the beginning of the year. They didn't have a bye week, just, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it was just crap. And so yeah, I think I think everybody kind of gets a, a pass on last year. But I think they you know they got to come back, right? They need to be competitive. They need a challenge probably for 7 to 10 wins and uh, kind of get this thing back on, back right, uh, on track. But um, – I think that's a good point. You know, it's it's easy to let one season really sour. Yeah. Uh, you know, a perception of a guy, and that's why I think. You, look, I think it's a slight reach, not where I would have taken him, but uh, I respect it and understand where you came from. Uh, now we're starting to get into the, like the challenging portion here. We kind of have like kind of okay head coaches sprinkled in with some intriguing young guys. Uh, but before I I start getting guys that really don't have any experience, I do want to pull the trigger on Bill O'Brien. And um, damn you, Joe! Was this was this your pick here? <laughs> that was my ninth one. Yeah, well, not not my ninth overall coach, but that that was gonna be my pick with my next one. Okay. All right. Well, so look, look I think um, that Houston team has just been struggling with injuries for the last several seasons, and uh, you know it's it's not really been an opportunity yet to see Bill O'Brien work with a you know, with his preferred roster. I know that that's part of the NFL, but I think that there's some upside in what he's going to be able to do with, with particularly Deshaun Watson. And I really like that marriage and, and how, you know, Bill O'Brien didn't really hold him back and he let Deshaun be Deshaun. And I think you see that so many times with, 
with quarterbacks that, you know, the training wheels are on and, and they're trying to fit, fit them to do things that not, not necessarily play to their strengths. And I just really respect that he let Deshaun be the player that he needed to be. And I'm really excited about that moving forward. I think he's highly respected. And, uh, you know, at this point you get a steady hand like, like Bill O'Brien. And I think that uh, you could do a whole lot worse. Yeah. So uh, coach OB was going to be my next pick. I think it's a great pick at this juncture. He's my 14th rated coach. Um, gets a bum rap, right? Team goes 4-12, and 12, hasn't had J.J. Watt. And, uh, won nine games three straight years to start his tenure in Houston with just dog crap at quarterback. And now he's got an exciting player, and I, I think uh, Houston is an exciting team to get excited about uh, going forward. So, Joe, I'm going to pivot here, and uh, I'm going to scramble a little bit. I'm going to go with Anthony Lynn from the L.A. Chargers. Uh, Charger, or Lynn has worked for some pretty impressive coaches over the course of his tenure in the NFL. Uh, he worked for Mike Shanahan, worked for Bill Parcells, he worked for, for Jack Del Rio, uh, worked for Joe's favorite coach, Rex Ryan. So uh, it, he's worked with a lot of names that have accomplished some notable feats as head coaches in the NFL. And uh, it was... Lynn's first full season as a head coach of a football team last year. That team went 9-7. and seven, uh, And that team rebounded from just a terrible start. I was really impressed with the resiliency that that team showed starting out 0-4, proceeding to go 9-3 and three down the stretch. And uh, Phillip Rivers is, is not getting any younger, but there's some cause for excitement here when you consider uh, Mike Williams is going to be fully healthy coming into this season. They're getting some help back on the offensive line. So I think Anthony Lynn, this Anthony Lynn pick, if you go back and look at it this time next year, might be one of the values just based on, I think this Chargers team is primed for success. And I think Anthony Lynn is going to be a a portion of that reason why. Yeah, it's an outstanding pick. And and you think about, you know, I know that it's not St. Louis to Los Angeles, it's San Diego to Los Angeles, but the job he did with that team to yeah. get them moved to the new city. And, I mean, they had four fluky games to start the season and finished 9-7. and seven. They were 0-4 to start. I mean, if they could go 2-2 two and two there, you're talking about an 11-5 and five team winning the AFC West. or You know, I mean, I, I think that he did a tremendous job with that roster. I think he's got a bright, bright future. Love the job he did with Tyrod Taylor. That was Tyrod Taylor's best year was when, when Anthony Lynn let him be you know, play to his strength. So good pick there, Kyle. Joe, real quick, uh, real quick. Yeah. Before we move on, I want to go over the Chargers' losses real quick. Week one, lost 24-21 to Denver. Week two, lost 19-17 to against the Miami Dolphins in a game in which they missed, I think, three field goals. Kansas City Chiefs owned them last year. They lost both games by a combined uh, 31 points. They lost 26-24 to to the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. They lost 21-13 to to the AFC champion New England Patriots. And lost in overtime 20-17 to to the AFC runner-up Jacksonville Jaguars. Very respectable. Yes. That's going to be – to me, they're the favorites to win the West this year. I would so. agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and, and if, you, if you read, you know, what Chargers writers are putting out about uh, you know, Los Angeles is that Lynn has changed the culture, which, you know, that's sometimes beat writers can be tough to win over. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they seems like everyone's really bought in. Um, okay. Next Kyle. Uh, this one's kind of a, a pick that 
kind of go, going back to what we talked about with Adam Gase. The, the pick's going to be Mike McCarthy, Green Bay Packers head coach. Last was not great. Seven and nine, they were without Aaron Rodgers for seven weeks, and really uninspiring team without Rodgers. And it really kind of showed you so much value he has to this team. And uh, maybe it doesn't matter who his coach is. You know, it's like Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson. Maybe I'd have a few NBA uh, rings if I was their head coach. But, you know, McCarthy's been so accomplished. I mean, he's been their head coach for 12 seasons. They made the playoffs nine times. They've won the division steps. I mean, it's just an impressive run, you know, and I know that you it's, – it's easy to point to the quarterback, but, you know, he's he's winning. He's got a Super Bowl championship. So, I mean, at this point, I, I really struggled with where to slot McCarthy, but I think at this point a guy with his resume, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre or not, you know, he's really had a lot of success, and I don't think you can overlook it. Yeah, McCarthy was my uh, 15th rated coach. I actually passed over McCarthy for Lynn uh, just because I want to bet on the upside of a guy like Lynn versus McCarthy where I'm not sure how much of his success is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, But my next pick, I'm going to go with a guy who's kind of cut from the same cloth as Anthony Lynn, if you will, and Todd Bowles. And the reason why I say that is I look at Todd Bowles and I look at what that team has done. And this was a guy who was an interim, coming off an interim situation. Now, granted, there was some space between, but he went 2-1 and one in three games as the interim head coach of the Miami Dolphins in 2011. Comes into a team, the New York Jets, and wins 10 football games in his first season. Pretty impressive first season with his new team. Now, here's where it gets off the rails, because Anthony Lynn has to hope his next couple seasons do not mirror what you see from Todd Bowles and win. In the last two seasons combined, his teams have won 10 games after winning 10 games in 2015. But Todd Bowles runs a really aggressive defense. Uh, they like to play the game aggressive. They, they're multiple on the defensive side of the football. And uh, th- this team was really just hindered with poor quarterback play. Joe, I'd like to point out that in 2015, Todd Bowles' New York Jets won 10 games with Ryan Fitzpatrick grossly overachieving, throwing 31 touchdowns with a sub-60% completion percentage. The next season, this team comes back. They go 5-11. and Ryan Fitzpatrick suddenly throws 12 touchdowns and 17 interceptions in 14 games played. The quarterback play went off the rails, and then the quarterback play came back on the rails for portions of 2017 with Josh McCown, but they couldn't consistently keep him on the field. You know, they had to run Bryce Petty in and out. Petty went 0-3 as a starter. Um, So I think Bowles is is a guy like also Bill O'Brien in that respect where I think he's a better coach than what he's given the chance to showcase, and I'm going to go with him here with my 10th coach selection. Yeah, I got a lot of respect for Todd Bowles, despite you know some of the results he's had in New York, and uh, I think that team's going to bounce back. His defenses are really good, and it's you know we spent some time in Phoenix uh, last couple years around the draft, and that's a name that just keeps coming up, right? I mean, yeah. just, there's so much respect for him, and 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 I think that I don't I don't think that their shortcomings are going to be because of Todd Bowles, even though he's going to be the guy that shoulders that that blame. Uh, Kyle, my next guy. Is Frank Reich, and uh, 
I have so much respect for Frank Reich for so many different reasons. Number one, uh, familiar with his brother Joe Reich, who's a, a Division II head coach here where I live at Wingate University. My brother Frank played for him for four seasons, was a captain for three of those seasons. And uh, you want to just talk about stand-up human being, guy that knows how to lead men, guys that uh, that's going to be above reproach and just uh, just be that that guy that you want your son to play for. And uh, I know that 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 family is, just has a lot of character. And I'm really excited about him as a coach of the Colts. I know that that didn't necessarily materialize how Chris Ballard had hoped with you know the deal with Josh McDaniels that came through. But I, I think that Frank Reich is a whole lot more than a consolation prize. And just think about his career. You know, Frank Reich led the largest comeback in NCAA history with the Maryland Turpins. He led the largest comeback in NFL history with the Buffalo Bills over the Houston Oilers. And I think that just says so much about his ability to, you know, when he's backed up into a corner to come out and get, inspire other men to, to rise above. And, and that's something that we saw again with him as the guy, as the offensive coordinator for the Eagles last year. I don't think, you know, look at, looking at Frank Reich's career and how there were times where he had to step in for Jim Kelly when he was injured, that he didn't have a big message, you know, for Nick Foles stepping in for Carson Wentz in that type of role and you know, was able to lean from the, those uh, experiences and get the most out of that team. And I know, you know, look, Doug Peterson, uh, De, uh, John DeFlippo, those guys get a lot of credit for that offense. But Frank Wright was the offensive coordinator, and, and, and I think that he deserves a lot of credit for that team. He's got a great resume in terms of his other stops and coaching and as a position coach elsewhere. And his, his time as a, as a player, I think, just was really prepared him and I think that, you know, the way that we re- regard Doug Peterson right now, he was my number one pick. You know, I don't think that it's going to be that quick of a turnaround with the Colts just because I don't think the talent on that roster is there. But I think that the Colts got themselves a good head coach in Frank Reich, and he's one of the most exciting young first-year head coaches, in my opinion, in the NFL right now. Yeah, so I'm at an awkward junction on my board here. I don't hate that pick. Frank Reich was my top-rated rookie coach this year. Okay, cool. So uh, I do have three names in front of Frank Reich, and the reason why is I put all of the rookie coaches in a bucket because I don't have a body of work to base any valuation on with those guys with the exception of Pat Shermer, uh, who was not successful in his first stint as a head coach. (laughs) And then underneath the rookie coaches, I have four caca coaches who just, you know, I'm going to reluctantly going to have to pick at some juncture, but it's not going to be anytime soon. So that leaves three head coaches above him, above these rookie coaches and these four coaches that just stink. I'm not touching them unless I have to. And uh, those coaches include the Gruden brothers. And I'm going to pick Jay Gruden <laughs> as my next selection here. Uh Jay Gruden's teams in Washington the last three years, believe it or not, are over 500 by one game. Uh, Jay has not found a lot of playoff success, but Jay Gruden has a type. If you look at a lot of different positions across the board, his edge defenders, his defensive linemen, his running backs, he likes physical, stout football players. And uh, kind of like the poor man's Doug Marone, right? Like hasn't managed to harness that and really light a fire up under his team. But I think he's a happy medium between you know, the, the offensive mindset 
of John Gruden and what made him so exciting when he was the head coach of the Raiders the first time around and Doug Marone where they have this brand of football that they really like to just mash heads. So I'm going to go with Jay Gruden because I think he's the least of three evils here of established head coaches who have extensive bodies of work, uh, also including the other Gruden brother and Jason Garrett. I was prepared to wait a little bit longer for Jay Gruden. Um, We'll see. We'll see how that goes. It's a um, weird juncture, dude. It, it is. It's and so I think all the juncture. rave re- we've had a lot of rave reviews up to this point yeah, about these game coaches. Over. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to sound a little different here moving forward. Uh, so with that said, I'm going to, you know, look, I, I have some very middling coaches, some uh, some caca coaches, as you, as you described here at the bottom of the board. So I'm going to take a chance on an unknown here. And I'm going to go with Matt Nagy, the uh, first-year head coach for the Chicago Bears. Uh, look, I know there's nothing to go off of, but uh, you know, I love that he worked with Andy Reid, who's a guy that I have a ton of respect for, and I like what I'm hearing. You know, right now coming out of uh, different Bears people and and uh, how he's adding a spark to this offense, and how I think that he's going to really work to the strengths of Trubisky, and I think that there's something to be excited about for what specifically he can do schematically with the Bears personnel on offense, and kind of what I think he can become. Uh, you know, long term, if he if he really takes the, the, the that I think he can, and, and look, I know it's a bit of an unknown, but at this point, I'd rather take a chance on an unknown, a guy that's innovative and young and inspiring, than some some of these head coaches where we have to pull the trigger on as the board uh, continues to complete. Yeah, so um, I just got done telling you how I had veteran coaches currently at the top of the board, but at this juncture. I'm going to have to roll the dice on somebody that might give me a little bit more upside than John Gruden or Jason Garrett. So I'm going to go with Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel's gotten a lot of rave reviews throughout the course of the league in the the last uh, two or three seasons, the time he spent since 2014 with the Houston Texans. Uh, Spent a couple years at the college level working and coaching at Ohio State. Uh, Came to the Houston Texans in 2014, spent three years as a linebackers coach. Uh, got promoted in 2017 to the diff coordinator, and uh, the team finished last in points defensively. So go figure, right? There you go. Uh, but Mike Vrabel, I'm going to bet on the reputation. I'm going to bet on this guy being a former player, having an ability to connect with players, have a good relationship with players. He's a younger guy, so I'm hoping that those things can add up and that, that there's enough smoke here with the – positivity surrounding Vrabel and his ability to coach at the NFL level to suggest that there's some fire, and I'll bet on the upside here. Yeah, I was uh, definitely thinking about him for my next pick, and so I'll have to go with another unproven coach that it's taken him a while to get his first head coaching job, and I'm talking about Steve Wilkes. This guy's had a lot of stops, man. You look at his resume, and he's been everywhere. He's been everywhere. He's been a, a secondary coach everywhere, it seems, but he really did a lot with that Panthers defense last year, uh, filling in for Sean McDermott, who had had left. And uh, another guy that I have some familiar with because of you know him being in Carolina, I think uh, since 2012, and just him being such a highly respected guy. And uh, I think that he's going to be a guy that just gets the most out of his players, and that's something that he did in Carolina. And you know him and Sean McDermott and Ron Rivera did have done so much with not getting you know they got their stars and and you know Luke Keekley and. and Kawan Short and those guys, but you know guys like Mario Addison and Kurt Coleman uh, and Mike Mitchell and, and uh, getting you know developing guys like Josh Norman. I think that there's a lot to be said for 
the players that not necessarily highly regarded that Carolina's been able to develop into prominent pieces on their defense. And, uh, you know, I think that he's a good player developer. I think he's highly respected. And, look, I think it's going to take some time in Arizona just because that roster has a lot of holes in it. But I think he's absolutely the right guy to come in and be, you know, be that high-character leader that, you know, Arizona needs. He's filling in for, you know, outstanding career that Bruce Arians had there. But uh, I think Steve Steve Wilkes is low-key, like a really good hire that, um, you know, he didn't have a lot of experience as a coordinator at the NFL level, but I think that he's ready for this just based on how much experience he has in some of his other stops. Uh, I'm going to have to do it. I have to pick Jason Garrett. <laughs> Jason Garrett. All right, so if you exclude 2010 when Garrett came in in, in week 10 and was named the, the head coach, um, Garrett's years with the Cowboys have yielded 8-8, eight 8-8, eight, eight and eight, Eight and eight, twelve and four, not bad. Four and twelve, so we're back to five hundred. Thirteen and three in twenty sixteen, and then nine and seven in two thousand and seventeen. So at least we're seeing a little bump in the win loss. We've gotten out of that eight and eight forever land with Jason Garrett. Uh, this is a solid single. You know, he he's. He's an experienced head coach. He has some success winning games. Uh, game management, clock management, challenges. These are not strengths of Jason Garrett. But I'm strictly going to go with the fact that this is an established head coach. You kind of know what you're going to get. Uh, but he's by no means an upper echelon coach, as evidenced by the fact that he is the 25th coach to have his name called uh, here in this exercise, Joe. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't want to be the guy that picked Jason Garrett, but I was one away. And, and so you saved yeah. me. Uh, I'm going to go with Matt Patricia here, Kyle, head coach, Detroit Lions, uh, 14 seasons as the understudy of Bill Belichick. He's got a, uh, a background in aerospace engineering. And so he's, you know, he's a definitely an advanced thinker and, uh, he's had a lot of success with new England. And I know that, um, Bill Belichick certainly deserves a lot of that credit, but I thought game planning, just the different players, just the different random players that you know Patricia was able to scheme and get into the right positions to make plays. And I think that he just has such a great X's and O's feels and how to use guys. And I think that's going to be something that Detroit's going to value a lot this coming season. If you look at Matt Patricia's six seasons as the defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, they were never outside of the top ten in scoring defense. And so I uh, you know, he, they know how to keep points off the board, knows how to keep his personnel, and we'll see what type of leader he is and how he could be the CEO of a football team. But at this point, you know, with some of the guys on the board staring at us in the face, I'm going to take my chances with that 14-year uh, tenure as uh, Belichick's understudy. Now, Joe, before we do the last six picks, I want to ask you something. I want to ask okay. you, who is the name, regardless if they've already been picked or not, who is the name that you were most surprised to see slotted where you had them once you actually laid all the coaches out for this exercise? That I was surprised? Help me understand the question a little better. I mean, did you look at your list and say, oh, wow, I didn't think he'd be that low, or oh, wow, I didn't think he'd be that high. But then when you actually start comparing the names and slotting them, they ended up in a spot or a range that you did not expect to see them. Uh, you know, I don't know if I have a slam dunk answer for you. I think maybe Mike McCarthy 
just because he's had so much success. I mean, unprecedented success. You know, but it's like I, I was so willing to overlook all of that and really credit so much of that to the quarterbacks and really feast so much on what happened last year that he, like, based on resume, that dude deserves to be higher than 16th on my board. No, it's a, it's a fancer, and I had him 15th, right in the same boat. So you had, did you have Bill O'Brien rated above Mike McCarthy? One spot above Bill, my, one spot above you was 15. Okay, I had O'Brien 14 and McCarthy 15. So uh, we actually had this this fall pretty similarly, with the exception of you betting a lot on the the upside of these players. Now, Joe, I'm going to take a rookie coach this year with this next pick, but it's not going to be John Gruden. I'm going with Pat Shermer. I think Gruden's just been out of the game far too long for me to feel good about selecting him, even at this juncture. So Pat Shermer spent two years as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, and I'm willing to just write it off. It was the Cleveland Browns in 2011 and 2012. Shermer's a young guy. Uh, He's had success as an offensive coordinator, both in Philadelphia and Minnesota since his tenure in Cleveland. Uh, He's had some teams that have finished in the top ten in in rushing offense and passing offense. Uh, Team consistently finishing pretty good uh, in the giveaway-takeaway range, with the exception of uh, one blip on the radar in 2015 with the Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, Shermer's last two years in Minnesota, he's had a really, really good team. Uh, offensively, the ability to, to produce points. And uh, I'm going to just write off his failures as a head coach to this point as the Cleveland Browns, and that being more of a Cleveland problem than a Pat Shermer problem. So, Kyle, my options left are Dirk Cutter, Hugh Jackson, Marvin Lewis, John Gruden, and Vance Joseph. Correct. Good luck. <laughs> All right, all right. So I'm picking John Gruden. There you go. All right. The, the, the highest paid head coach of the NFL, That's 10 years, $100 million contract. Wouldn't be me, Kyle. Wouldn't be me. Definitely wouldn't be you uh, right here with our 28th pick overall out of 32 NFL head coaches. You know, look, I, I respect the run that he had, uh, that middle run that you know with Oakland and those few seasons with Tampa Bay, but – this guy, you know, his success over the last three, four seasons in, in, in Tampa Bay was not good. He's been out of the game, and, uh, you know, he, he, you just look at the roster construction. You, I mean, Reggie, Reggie McKenzie had kind of been doing a decent job, right, like building that roster. And then just the, the, just the way you could just tell the influence that Gruden has on it, just the things that happened this offseason. And I'm not, I'm not optimistic about this thing moving forward. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a big – it's a big order for Gruden to step in and, and, you know, have that expectations where he's paid so high and, you know, everyone thinks he's going to restore that, you know, he's going to be that guy that won the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay and got a Super Bowl in Oakland. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to have to – he's going to have to – and, uh, I mean, look, 28th. I mean, I think that says a lot about where, where we think – what we think of this decision uh, by, uh, by Mark Davis to hire him. Okay, uh, we're in the caca range here, Joe. <laughs> These four coaches are not good. Vance Joseph, Marvin Lewis, Dirk Cutter, and Hugh Jackson. Uh, give me Marvin Lewis. 
Jesus. Now, Marvin, yeah, I know, this is the less, most less evil here, right? Marvin had a stretch of seasons. 2011, 2012, 2013, 14, and 15, where that team won 9, 10, 11, 10, and 12 games. Impressively managed to lose their first playoff game every single year. The team had went to the playoffs six times in seven or in six times in seven years and did not win a playoff game. He, he is 0-7 in the playoffs in his career as a head coach. But yet he has a 53% winning percentage in the AFC North. Uh, the last two years this team has lost nine games each season. But you're, it's kind of the Jason Garrett mentality. I know who he is as a coach, and I would rather have that than have Vance Joseph, Dirk Cutter, or Hugh Jackson. So uh, here's the thing is I have to pick, just because I didn't pick for first, I have to pick two out of three of those coaches. Yes, you do. So, <laughs> well, you do. I was definitely, definitely going to pick Marvin Lewis next. I was going to do it because I think these are the clear three worst coaches in the NFL right now. But um, I'm picking Hugh Jackson, Kyle. Oh, um, Lordy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Jackson was not last in this draft, despite going 1-31 over the last two years. Um, so here's the thing. If I'm trying to find the silver lining, I'm thinking back to you know, Hugh Jackson, what he was able to get out of Joe Flacco and what he was able – to get out of Andy Dalton. I think those guys had some of their best seasons uh, with you. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, he was eight and eight with the Raiders that one season. You know, that was, that wasn't bad, but uh, you know, he was, when he was eight and eight in, in before the last two seasons and he had that success kind of, kind of known as a quarterback whisperer of sorts, he was a pretty hot commodity. He was a guy that I wouldn't have minded Buffalo hiring instead of Rex Ryan. Uh, but uh, certainly the last two years have, I've been just as embarrassing a stretch as you can have in the L right now, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna dunk you know the bear, the Browns misery in Lake Erie just like just like Hugh did baptize them and count on at this point with the 30th pick Hugh Jackson being my choice and, and uh, getting us uh, Joe bless you just... Hugh Jackson was not your last pick. No, I have I have two lower. Yeah, I have two. Yeah. Lower. Well, Hugh Jackson was dead last on my board, and I have a surprise for you, Joe, because I'm going to tell you right now I'm not picking Vance Joseph, and I sure as hell ain't picking Dirk Cutter. I'm dipping into the college pool here, and we talked on the pre-show about some candidates that I had on my short list, and I did not mention my top pick. And I did this intentionally because I wanted your authentic reaction on the air when I tell you that instead of drafting either Dirk Cutter or Vance Joseph, I would rather dip into the college ranks and go draft myself Brent Venables right now and roll the dice that this defensive mind, you go watch any Clemson game, I don't care that they got more talent than 99% of the teams that they're going up against. Go watch the national championship game from 2016 with Alabama and Clemson, and it was the best coached game defensively I watched all year that year. There were points scored in that game, but it was punch, counterpunch. And you look at Brent Venables, 
He does not come from a spread offense background like a guy like Lane Kiffin or Lincoln Riley. Uh, he, he, his background started as a graduate assistant at Kansas State under Bill Schneider. He's not an older coach like Nick Saban, who's 66 years old, or Mark Richt, who's getting a little long in the tooth, but 10 years ago would have been an interesting co- conversation piece as far as a jump to the NFL. He's not a failed NFL coach like Chip Kelly over at UCLA. Brent Venables, I think, is a terrific football coach, and I think his background gives him as good a chance as any prominent coach at the college level to translate to the pro level right now. Uh, I don't hate it. Yeah, I think that's more interesting to me than some of the head coaches. Yeah, I, I do. I, I mean, I don't know that I could sit here off the top of my head think of a, of, of a better college coach to hire as an NFL head coach. So I think it's a strong choice, but I also think that you owe it to me to pick either Dirk Cutter or Vance Joseph. You don't have to say anything, but uh, I need to know which one I'm, I have left on the board here because I'm going to stay true to the concept. Uh, I would rather have Dirk Cutter than Vince Joseph. Damn you. Okay, so would I. Are, are you right, having so- the time of your life? I, I am not having the time of my life, uh, but that's my pick here at 32. Uh, very uninspiring. Uh, did not care for the way that he addressed the media last year. And, you know, look, I know that he was trying to get this done with Trevor Simeon, and, and uh, that's, a, that's not a great situation. But the defense, they still had a pretty good defense there in Denver. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm just not inspired by anything about Vance Joseph to, the defense that he came from with Miami wasn't all that great either. So I just don't know that there's a lot of success that's been tied to Vance Joseph, and uh, I don't have a lot of belief in him. So if he's he's the one guy, he was 32 on my board. I had Dirk Cutter ahead of him. Uh, that uh, if I had to pick and all other coaches were gone, that would be my last choice, Vance Joseph. Folks, there you have it. We hope you enjoyed this exercise. Uh, let us know what you think. You can hit us up on Twitter, uh, on social media. Joe is at the Joe Marino. I am at NDT Scouting. We would love to hear uh, who some of your picks would be, whose team you ended up liking, whose pick you didn't like, uh, any coaches that you thought we were egregiously disrespectful to or, or, or overvalued. Uh, we would appreciate that conversation piece as well. We, we love talking with you guys. It's a great time of year for that sort of thing. Make sure you follow along with us. We will be back again soon with another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Kyle Crabb signing off with Joe Marino. We will catch up with you all again soon. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.